Section 9 of the Underground Railroad, Part 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Casper. The Underground Railroad, Part 5, by William Still. Section 9. Portraits and Sketches. Lucretia Mott. Of all the women who served the anti-slavery cause in its darkest days, there is not one whose labors were more effective, whose character is nobler, and who is more universally respected and beloved than Lucretia Mott. You cannot speak of the slave without remembering her who did so much to make slavery impossible. You cannot speak of freedom without recalling that enfranchised spirit which, free from all control save that of conscience and God, labored for absolute liberty for the whole human race. We cannot think of the partial triumph of freedom in this country without rejoicing in the great part she took in the victory. Lucretia Mott is one of the noblest representatives of ideal womanhood. Those who know her need not be told this but those who only love her in the spirit may be sure that they can have no faith too great in the beauty of her pure and christian life this book would be incomplete without giving some account however brief of lucretia mott's character and labors in the great work to which her life has been devoted to write it fully would require a volume she was born in seventeen ninety three in the island of nantucket and is descended from the coffins and macy's on the father's side and from the folgers on the mother's side and through them is related to dr benjamin franklin her maiden name was lucretia coffin during the absence of her father on a long voyage her mother was engaged in mercantile business purchasing goods in boston in exchange for oil and candles the staples of the island mrs mott says in reference to this employment the exercise of women's talent in this line as well as the general care which devolved upon them in the absence of their husbands tended to develop their intellectual powers and strengthened them mentally and physically the family removed to boston in eighteen o four her parents belonged to the religious society of friends and carefully cultivated in their children the peculiarities as well as the principles of that sect to this early training we may ascribe the rigid adherence of mrs mott to the beautiful but sober costume of the society when in london in eighteen forty she visited the zoological gardens and a gentleman of the party pointing out the splendid plumage of some tropical birds remarked you see mrs mott our heavenly father believes in bright colors how much it would take from our pleasure if all the birds were dressed in drab yes she replied but immortal beings do not depend upon feathers for their attractions with the infinite variety of the human face and form of thought feeling and affection we do not need gorgeous apparel to distinguish us moreover if it is fitting that women should dress in every color of the rainbow why not men also Clergymen with their black clothes and white cravats are quite as monotonous as the Quakers. 
whatever may be the abstract merit of this argument it is certain that the simplicity of lucretia mott's nature is beautifully expressed by her habitual costume in giving the principal events of lucretia mott's life we prefer to use her own language whenever possible in memoranda furnished by her to elizabeth cady stanton she says my father had a desire to make his daughters useful at fourteen years of age i was placed with a younger sister at the friends boarding school in dutchess county state of new york and continued there for more than two years without returning home at fifteen one of the teachers leaving the school i was chosen as an assistant in her place pleased with the promotion i strove hard to give satisfaction and was gratified on leaving the school to have an offer of a situation as teacher if i was disposed to remain and informed that my services should entitle another sister to her education without charge my father was at that time in successful business in boston but with his views of the importance of training a woman to usefulness he and my mother gave their consent to another year of being devoted to that institution here is another instance of the immeasurable value of wise parental influence in eighteen o nine lucretia joined her family in philadelphia whither they had removed at the early age of eighteen she says i married james mott of new york an attachment formed while at the boarding school mr mott entered into business with her father then followed commercial depressions the war of eighteen twelve the death of her father and the family became involved in difficulties mrs mott was again obliged to resume teaching these trials she says in early life were not without their good effect in disciplining the mind and leading it to set a just estimate on worldly pleasures to this early training to the example of a noble father and excellent mother to the trials which came so quickly in her life the rapid development of mrs mott's intellect is no doubt greatly due thus the foundation was laid which has enabled her for more than fifty years to be one of the great workers in the cause of suffering humanity these are golden words which we quote from her own modest notes i however always loved the good in childhood desired to do the right and had no faith in the generally received idea of human depravity yes it was because she believed in human virtue that she was enabled to accomplish such a wonderful work she had the inspiration of faith and entered her life battle against slavery with a divine hope and not with a gloomy despair the next great step in lucretia mott's career was taken at the age of twenty-five when summoned by a little family and many cares i felt called to a more public life of devotion to duty and engaged in the ministry in our society in eighteen twenty seven when the society was divided mrs mott's convictions led her to adhere to the sufficiency of the light within us resting on the truth as authority rather than taking authority for truth we may find no better place than this to refer to her relations to christianity there are many people who do not believe in the progress of religion they are right in one respect god's truth cannot be progressive because it is absolute immutable and eternal but the human race is struggling up to a higher comprehension 
of its own destiny and of the mysterious purposes of god so far as they are revealed to our finite intelligence it is in this sense that religion is progressive the christianity of this age ought to be more intelligent than the christianity of calvin the popular doctrine of human depravity says mrs mott never commended itself to my reason or conscience i searched the scriptures daily finding a construction of the text wholly different from that which was pressed upon our acceptance the highest evidence of a sound faith being the practical life of the christian i have felt a far greater interest in the moral movements of our age than in any theological discussion her life is a noble evidence of the sincerity of this belief she has translated christian principles into daily deeds that spirit of benevolence which mrs mott possesses in a degree far above the average of necessity had countless modes of expression she was not so much a champion of any particular cause as of all reforms it was said of charles lamb that he could not even hear the devil abused without trying to say something in his favor and with all mrs mott's intense hatred of slavery we do not think she ever had one unkind feeling toward the slaveholder her longest and probably her noblest work was done in the anti-slavery cause the millions of downtrodden slaves in our land she says being the greatest sufferers the most oppressed class i have felt bound to plead their cause in season and out of season to endeavor to put my soul in their soul's stead and to aid all in my power in every right effort for their immediate emancipation when in eighteen thirty three william lloyd garrison took the ground of immediate emancipation and urged the duty of unconditional liberty without expatriation mrs mott took an active part in the movement she was one of the founders of the philadelphia female anti-slavery society in eighteen thirty four being actively associated in the efforts for the slave's redemption she says i have travelled thousands of miles in this country holding meetings in some of the slave states have been in the midst of mobs and violence and have shared abundantly in the odium attached to the name of an uncompromising modern abolitionist as well as partaken richly of the sweet return of peace attendant on those who would undo the heavy burdens and let the oppressed go free and break every yoke in eighteen forty she attended the world's anti-slavery convention in london because she was a woman she was not admitted as a delegate all the female delegates however were treated with courtesy though not with justice mrs mott spoke frequently in the liberal churches of england and her influence outside of the convention had great effect on the anti-slavery movement in great britain but the value of mrs mott's anti-slavery work is not limited to what she individually did great as that labor was her influence over others and especially the young was extraordinary she made many converts who went forth to spread the great ideas of freedom throughout the land no one can of himself accomplish great good he must labor through others he must inspire them convince the unbelieving kindle the fires of faith in doubting souls and in the unequal fight of right with wrong make hope take the place of despair this lucretia mott has done her example was an inspiration 
In the temperance reform Mrs. Mott took an early interest, and for many years she has practiced total abstinence from intoxicating drinks. In the cause of peace she has been ever active, believing in the ultra-non-resistance ground, that no Christian can consistently uphold and actively engage in and support a government based on the sword. Yet this, we believe, did not prevent her from taking a profound interest in the great war for the Union. Though she deplored the means, her soul must have exulted in the result. Through anguish and tears, blood and death, America wrought out her salvation. Do we not believe that the United States leads the cause of human freedom? It follows, then, that the abolition of the gigantic system of human slavery in this country is the grandest event in modern history. Mrs. Mott has also been earnestly engaged in aid of the working classes, and has labored effectively for a radical change in the system which makes the rich richer and the poor poorer. In the women's rights question she was early interested, and with Mrs. Elizabeth Cady Stanton she organized in 1848 a women's rights convention at Seneca Falls, New York. At the proceedings of this meeting the nation was convulsed with laughter, but who laughs now at this irresistible reform? The public career of Lucretia Mott is in perfect harmony with her private life. My life in the domestic sphere, she says, has passed much as that of other wives and mothers of this country. I have had six children. Not accustomed to resigning them to the care of a nurse, I was much confined to them during their infancy and childhood. Notwithstanding her devotion to public matters, her private duties were never neglected. Many of our readers will no doubt remember Mrs. Mott at anti-slavery meetings, her mind intently fixed upon the proceedings, while her hands were as busily engaged in useful sewing or knitting. It is not our place to inquire too closely into this social circle, but we may say that Mrs. Mott's history is a living proof that the highest public duties may be reconciled with perfect fidelity to private responsibilities. It is so with men. Why should it be different with women? In her marriage Mrs. Mott was fortunate. James Mott was a worthy partner for such a woman. He was born in June 1788 in Long Island. He was an anti-slavery man almost before such a thing as anti-slavery was known. In 1812 he refused to use any article which was produced by slave labor. The directors of that greatest of all railway corporations, the Underground Railroad, will never forget his services. He died January 26, 1868, having nearly completed his 80th year. Not only in regard to slavery, said the Philadelphia Morning Post at the time, but in all things was Mr. Mott a reformer and a radical, and while his principles were absolute and his opinions uncompromising, his nature was singularly generous and humane. Charity was not to him a duty, but a delight, and the benevolence which in most good men has some touch of vanity or selfishness always seemed in him pure, unconscious, and disinterested. His life was long and happy, and useful to his fellow men. He had been married for fifty-seven years, and none of the many friends of James and Lucretia Mott need be told how much that union meant.
nor what sorrow comes with its end in this world mary grew pronounced his fitting epitaph when she said he was ever calm steadfast and strong in the forefront of the conflict in her seventy-ninth year the energy of lucretia mott is undiminished and her soul is as ardent in the cause to which her life has been devoted as when in her youth she placed the will of a true woman against the impotence of prejudiced millions with the abolition of slavery and the passage of the fifteenth amendment her greatest life work ended since then she has given much of her time to the female suffrage movement and so late as november eighteen seventy one she took an active part in the annual meeting of the pennsylvania peace society since the great law was enacted which made all men black or white equal in political rights as they were always equal in the sight of god mrs mott has made it her business to visit every colored church in philadelphia this we may regard as the formal closing of fifty years of work in behalf of a race which she has seen raised from a position of abject servitude to one higher than that of a monarch's throne but though she may have ended this anti-slavery work which is but the foundation of the destiny of the colored race in america her influence is not ended that cannot die it must live and grow and deepen and generations hence the world will be happier and better that lucretia mott lived and labored for the good of all mankind end of section nine